Hello everyone, welcome to this very special two-part, one-off podcast series um, looking at Norwich City's ever-growing relationship with Dutch second division side SC Telstar. Norwich have two lone players there at the moment, Daniel Adshead and Sebastian Soto, both of whom have caught the eye in the opening weeks of the season with their performances. I speak to both of them in podcast number two about life in Holland and also how they see the move and their prospects at Norwich City. But the opening podcast, uh, I speak to Norwich City loan manager. Neil Adams about why Telstar and Holland in particular is the perfect destination for these young players to be developing with the um, hope of becoming uh, integrated into Daniel Farker's first team. Uh, of course, it's a route we saw proved to be very successful and, and, and very um, and, and very worthwhile for Todd Campwell a few years ago when he spent a, a half a season on loan at Fortuna Sittard. And ever since, it's been a de- destination that we've seen Norwich players go to regularly. Along with Neil, I speak to uh, Telstar boss Andreas Jonker. He's worked as head of youth development under Arsene Wenger at Arsenal for three years. He's also um, Louis van Gaal's assistant manager at Barcelona and Bayern Munich. Um, he's also been manager of Wolfsburg and worked as Holland's under-18s boss. He is now at Telstar in charge and I speak to him about the benefits of the relationship along with how the two guys are going and also some nice thoughts about the loan system in general and perhaps how Norwich City are getting it right. So let's kick start with my first interview speaking to Norwich City loan manager Neil Adams. The current climate is obviously quite a unique situation. Your job involves not day to day but certainly at weekends getting out to see a lot of games, uh, some some lovely locations sometimes. That obviously hasn't been the case at the moment. Uh, how have you had to sort of adapt and, and, and deal with that, I guess? To, to be fair, nothing's changed. I mean, it is, it's day-to-day. The games are the sort of the end of the week sort of bonus, if you like. I mean, the, the hard work is done Monday to Friday, so to speak. Uh, obviously, there's games um, that we can go to even during lockdown because there's certain conditions that we, we're allowed to go and see players. But generally speaking, I think everybody sort of said what, what will happen or what has happened over the last sort of six months with with these types of um, parts of football. And if anything, it's actually, when, when we went into lockdown, I think most football clubs thought, well, you know, we ain't going to be playing football for any time soon. What can we do? And a lot of them turned to their recruitment strategies because that was the only thing that they could do while there was no football being played. So actually, in terms of the loans and the loan sort of philosophies of a lot of the clubs, a lot actually a lot more was done a lot earlier than it would have been because... You know, we didn't know when the season was going to end, so clubs were saying, "Well, let's let's look towards next season when we are allowed to bring players in, either on permanence or loans. Let's get it done sooner rather than later." And that's why, as we speak, we've got 19 players on loan now. Which, you know, we we always do get players on loan, but we had quite a good few of these many many weeks back, and they've been with the clubs even though they haven't been allowed to train at one point. And now some, as we speak now, are still waiting for the season to start at the weekend. So it hasn't really changed. Um, it's been as hectic as it always is where, you know, you have a million phone calls a day, um, particularly during these these transfer windows. Um, the window will then close. We'll then get out and start to see the players. But then again, within a few weeks' time, people will be looking to the January transfer window and the process will start again. So... It hasn't really changed at all. I think probably a lot of heads of recruitment, loan player managers will will say, you know, their job's been the same because all the clubs have had nothing other other to do than to try and shape the squads for the upcoming season. 
Yeah, well, this, this is the point I was going to ask you because we kind of heard, particularly from a lot of people in, in sort of recruitment, that actually that lockdown period where there was no football actually allowed them to get a head start, essentially. Is that the same with, with you and, and your department, I guess, that allow you to sort of plan for, for this transfer window as much as you can, of course, in a, in a transfer window? Yeah, well, the, the thing that people weren't sure of with loans, and we had a, like a Premier League loan meeting, this was back in March, April time, as to what would happen with loans. Would it increase the demand for loans or would there be less demand for loans? And there was divided opinion. And, and my opinion was that seeing the way it was going, I, I thought the, the, and was proved right that there will be actually a bigger demand for loan players, basically based on the fact that a lot of clubs will have to trim the squads down, particularly the lower league clubs, the conference clubs who just don't have the finances because of how hard this has hit all of us, but particularly the the, the, uh, the teams down at the lower leagues and that rely solely on fans to to, to function. And I, I could see that and as it's gone, clubs that were maybe running with 22, 23 players are probably running on 18 players now because their owners have said, look, you've got to trim it down. Let's have 16, 17 of our own players, see if you can get three or four loans in or as many as we can to build the squads up and and obviously the financial side of, of loans now where clubs contribute to wage um, the wages of the players of course a lot of clubs now don't have those finances so although the demand for loan players in, has increased the, the the teams and the clubs that actually want the loan players now are in quite a strong position because they've got so many options to take so you know whereas you know a League 2 club wants one of our players now they may have well if 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 you can't help us sufficiently with the wages, we can go to any one of a number of other clubs to get their players because they, they, they need clubs. So it's actually increased the demand for, for players to go on loan, but there is so many there now um, available because and, and probably, God forbid, there will be even more after you know these, these more measures that have been brought in with supporters. You know, more and more, more and more clubs might have to go to, down to the loan route to, to, to uh, fulfil the squad limits. And, and along with that, you mentioned the lack of supporters there. It, it's kind of, um, I, I guess, a lot of the experience of going out online is experience from first-team football, experience of what it's like in sort of full stadiums. Of, is that kind yeah. of, from your perspective, a, a sort of shame, I guess, that particularly sort of lower down the pyramid that, that fans aren't in and, and those players who are out on loan, acting for maybe yeah. at Charlton, etc., other, other examples, the lads at Kings Lynn, maybe won't get to experience playing in front of those full crowds. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, obviously, the more experienced players that have already played in front of full stadiums, not so much, even though it is a really weird situation. I don't know if you've had the, the chance to be at one of these games. It's just, just so unnatural, mm. you know, to hear every single shout and, you know, it'd be echoing around the stadium. It's just it's just terrible, really. But you're absolutely right. The, the atmosphere for the experienced players that go on loan is not too much of a... It doesn't really much of a distraction for them, but when you're putting a player on loan, you're putting him on on loan primarily, obviously, to improve him, to to get him to the levels that ideally we need for our team or for him to have a career in the game, but also for the experiences to develop him as a person as well as a player, and and obviously having full stadiums tests not only your your te- technical and tactical ability, it tests your character. And your, your mental strength and your resilience, you know, can you stand up to hostile crowds? Can you stand up to severe pressure, you know, when the crowd are at it and you're away from home? And obviously, and unfortunately, that, that isn't, um, isn't going to be the case now for, for however long. And so, you know, you're sending players to these clubs, but 
it's effectively seems like a you know 11 v 11 training ground mm-hmm. session where you know there's just there's no, nothing there but obviously there's nothing we can do about it there's more important things for health wise and but I'm sure, you know, as we, as we all do, we, we're desperate for these supporters to get back into the stadiums to to make it football again. Mm, absolutely, and you, you've obviously been in this role for for a little while now, and and have had sort of a lot of success with Ben Godfrey. I guess is is probably the the most notable example for obvious reasons at the moment. But are you seeing that result in more clubs sort of keener to take Norwich players on loan now? Is there sort of more trust yeah. there now? Do you feel? Well, we've sort of developed a bit of a reputation, I think, and. You know, some of that is, is is a pat on the back to us. Some obviously is, is good fortune. You know, you send players out on loan, and we can we've got a fantastic loan strategy and philosophy now. But ultimately, you depend it on the players if they can play and if they improve. Um, and then, if if that is the case, which as you say, Ben Godfrey, you know, Todd Cantwell, Madison, the two Murphys, you know, they're success stories. So. You know, when anybody does that sort of thing, it tends to gather attention from around the country. And a lot of clubs have asked to come and see what we do and how we do it, which is great for, for myself and for the club. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. We've, we've got a bit of a, a name now that we are big on loans. And again, that comes from the sporting director and the owners and the manager, the head coach, because if they don't believe in it, then this doesn't happen. But they're big believers in it. Um, and we've rolled it out and... Like you say the proof's always in the pudding. You can put out a million players on loan if it doesn't work. If they don't either be good enough to come back to play for Norwich or increase the value or go and have a career for themselves, then it doesn't work and you've not got something right. So we we feel now we've got the the procedure and the strategies in place, and we'll talk about some of them in a minute, particularly abroad, for these players to go and be the best that they possibly can and. Over the last five years, players have seen how it's working now at the football club, and it's it's almost flip flip now from five six years ago. You know, if you were told you were going on loan, that probably meant that was the end of you um, at, at the football club. Whereas now, it's actually no, you're doing really well. That's why you're going on loan, and the mentality is flipped, and players now see it. Particularly younger players see those uh, Ben Godfrey's and the Cantwells and the Madison and the Murphy stories, and think, well. That could be me now. So, so we've had a bit of good fortune with that. That the players that have gone out have gone and done it. But obviously, you know, we we're pleased with how we've shaped it and managed it and got the practices in place now that's enabled us to achieve that. Mm. Just just before we move on to to the Telstar stuff, just a, just a final one. We've seen. I think Chelsea are probably the best example of this of getting a lot of criticism for loaning out a, a lot of players and not necessarily perhaps with the idea of, of getting them in, in the first team. From your perspective, how important is it, and you mentioned strategies there, to have the right strategy in place on an individualised basis, I guess, to really know what, what the what the process is and what the plan is for, for a player? Yeah, I mean, you know, Chelsea, like you say, they have their own agendas. That's absolutely fine. Um, but 100% for us, you know, we put players out on loan, and as I've said in that, that order, and number one is to make players for Norwich City. That's, that's the ultimate. You know, if we can put a player on loan or various two or three loans and he comes back and plays and he's good enough to play in our first team, then that's that's the holy grail. You know, you, you mentioned uh, Ben Godfrey. You know, what a story that is. You know, he's, we signed him from York, didn't know sort of where his best position was, didn't know what he was going to be. Um, and I've seen him develop, obviously, at close hand now from going to, to his loan at Shrewsbury and how he just absolutely took off there. And then came back and did absolutely the same here, and that's that's a fantastic story for us. 
Um, and that ultimately is what, what we are about. Now, of course, they all won't do that. We have 19 players on loan this season. We won't have 19 coming back to play for the first team. Of course, we understand that. Um, but the but the proof is there. You know That is ultimately our number one aim. After that, of course, to increase the value. If they're not going to come and play for us, you know, can we can we increase their value for us, or ultimately, can we make get them a career? So there's 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 three or four sort of objectives there. But make no mistake, the the primary one is to make players good enough to to go into Daniel's squad. Mm, let's let's speak about Telstar specifically then. I think um, they've got quite a, a good setup there. You guys seem to to get on quite well. What is it about sort of that club in particular that that you feel is is sort of suited to, to a few of your players. You've obviously got Sebastian Soto and, and Dan Adshead there at the moment, Charlie Gilmore there last season. Um, I think Andreas Jonker described it as a, a blossoming relationship. Does, does it feel like that from a, a Norwich perspective, that that's a, a club with sort of the processes and a style of play that you really trust to develop your players? Yeah, I mean, the, the it's quite a long story there. So it's a, it's a very interesting story because many people have said the same question. Why why the Dutch second because well, I think we've had seven loans now to to Dutch second division, and the the primary reason is if you go and watch Dutch football, and I, I've I've seen virtually all the teams in Holland now, particularly in the in the the Eerste Divisie, the second division. I know I've seen all the styles, I've seen how they all play, and Dutch football is very similar to how Daniel wants the squad to play, how we want our players to play at Norwich City. Um, and that's the reason why it ticks so many boxes for us. You know, it started with with Todd Canwell at Fortuna Sittard, and many people thought, "What the hell is he going to, to Fortuna for?" And the, and the story's been told a million times, and Todd will tell you himself. You know, we had to get his loan right in the two three years ago when he went there on loan. You know, he was probably stone and a half lighter, totally in, in, inexperienced that he's got now, and. We didn't want him to be sort of beat up in a in a League Two team where the ball was flying over his head all for 60 minutes of the game, and it took us time to to get the right loan for him. But Dutch Dutch uh, Eredivisie and the Second Division, virtually all the teams they all play. They all play through the thirds of the pitch. They build out from the back. They get the technical players on the ball, uh, and that's the way they play. It's exactly how, how we want our players to play and how Daniel wants the team to play. But obviously, it's senior football, so it ticks two boxes. So a Todd Canwell, for example, going to the Dutch second division for half a season, wasn't going to just see the ball in the air all the time, wasn't going to be getting clattered all the time when the ball's around his neck, was going to get that option to experience senior football and the physicality and the pace of it, but also get the ball into his feet a lot and into areas where he could go and develop and show his skills. And it really developed from there because I'd seen all his games while he was out there and saw every team was playing the same way, the same Premier League way, if you like, you know, the same Norwich City way. And that's why it sort of developed into Telstar because Dordrecht was the next club, FC Dordrecht, who, again, we have a nice relationship with them as well. And we loaned Savas Morgos to them twice. Simon Power went there to them. And that led on to Telstar. Obviously, Andres was a former... Um, academy manager at Arsenal, so knew Charlie Gilmore. And that's how that opened up with Andrew speaking to me about Charlie. Would he be available? And of course, didn't that really have to do the due diligence on certainly on the, the standard of the football in the league? Because we knew it was perfect. It was just a case of them, well, let's have a look at Telstar. We knew of Andrews, obviously, of course, but 
I'd been out there, I don't know how many times now to watch the, these games, and it was it was quite a quick quick decision, and it was we knew it was the right decision, and Charlie did really well out there, and and that's obviously led on to the relationship developing. Um, to the point now where Dan and, and Sebastian are out there and both doing fantastically well as we speak. Mm, absolutely. And, and you say about sort of the, I guess, the trust in, of you guys and building up with certain clubs, Telstar, sort of the latest with the Charlie Gilmore link, but how is it sort of beneficial from the other side when, when you get the trust back from a club? Because when Telstar, I guess, have a, a player like Ch- Charlie Gilmore who, who did very well by all accounts last year on loan, it must sort of make them more um, aware, I guess, of, of Norwich City talent, but also put more trust in yourselves to sort of send them across players who, who you feel yeah. can benefit them. Exactly right. And it's it's good when you have Fortuna and, and Dordrecht and Telstar saying, look, they've seen now the calibre of players that we've put to them. They've said, look, if there's any more you recommend to us, please do. And they'd be only too happy to look at them and take them. And that's how developing this sort, these sort of relationships are so important because... You know, if if Stuart and, and Daniel put a player to me saying he's available for loan now, and I and we're thinking that Dutch second division is is the right option, then we've got go-to clubs now. You know, we don't have to, you know, how who do we get in touch with? You know, we've got them not only contacting us, but we can contact them, as you rightly said, and that's what happened to a degree with Dan and Sebastian. Um, it was almost, you know, they know of the players we've got. Obviously, they they, they see all the footage and. So when when we're suggesting or when they're asking who is available for loan, they've one they've got already a, a bit of a knowledge on the players, but two we can recommend them to them for the style of play. We can recommend how they play. Ultimately, it's always their call. You know, they won't take a player just for a favour. They've got to be good enough. But we we feel that in all the loans we've had um, to these Dutch teams, that the players have improved the teams and done well. And now, of course, when when you're a coach there, having seen that, of course, you're going to be open to to sending more out there. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And and in terms, because we we saw, um, particularly with Ad's head, they they go out for almost like a, a trial period for a couple of weeks, where where both parties sort of get a sense for each other. Um, what sort of processes is that like? Is that you guys saying, look, we have a player that we think might be beneficial for you? Take a look and see what you think, essentially. Yeah, it, it, it's you have to be really careful with that one, particularly for the. I put myself in the players' shoes. Sometimes, you know, you say we might want to get you alone to to this club, but you've got to go there for three days, and a player straight away will start to think, does, "Okay, does that mean I'm look, I'm looking at them, or does that mean they're looking at me?" So, is it sort of a trial, or is it literally they definitely want me, but I'm going out there to either give a thumbs up or a thumbs down? And it's a bit of both, obviously. You know, if we were, you know, you're putting out a a senior player let's say who's got the experience then obviously he's having a look at them and deciding if it's right for him or not if it's an inexperienced player then it's a bit of both you know we wouldn't we wouldn't and we don't kid the players that you know when when Dan went out there for example we're saying look if you don't fancy it there or it doesn't feel right then you're not going but also it gives them a chance to see you firsthand they've watched your games but it gives them a chance to put you in a few training sessions and and and, and get that close up but obviously Within a matter of hours, when the players done the first session, Andres could see straight away what he what he already knew that these were really good players, and of course he wanted them. So then we're asking Dan and Sebastian, well, how does it look for you? How does it feel? What are the teammates like? Is it right? Because we feel it's right, and we know it's right. But they would have only had to say not for them, and there would have been no pressure on them to go at at all. Hmm. 
And and just on Andres, I mean, you, you touched upon sort of his Arsenal roots there. How beneficial is it that you're sending young players out to someone who who was head of or the academy manager at Arsenal, yeah. essentially? Because that's a that's a big um, position to have for for any coach, particularly under Arsene Wenger. And we know how yeah. sort of keen he is on, on on new football. And how much confidence does it does it give you that they are going under there? Someone who does understand youth development and does understand how to manage these players. And I guess also someone like Edgar Davids as well, who's who's sort of yeah. taken up a coaching role and with all his experience in the game. These are sort of two really experienced people to learn off of for those young guys. Yeah, I don't think you can get enough information when, you, when you're when looking at potential moves like this. So, obviously, with Andrews being at the, at the Arsenal Academy, you, straight away you know his football thinking, you know his ideas, you know his preferred systems of play, you know how he functions. Uh, and providing he didn't go to Telstar and then become a long ball team, then, you know, that the, you know, the better, all the better would have been off then. But you know... From his, you know, we know how Arsenal play, having you know, seeing how all their academy teams play, to right through to the first team, you know, they ain't going to change. So, Andres, you know, he's he's worked at Barcelona, he's worked with Louis Van Gaal, you know, Bayern Munich, these sort of teams. We know how they play, so we knew straight away that was a big advantage. And obviously, with the Charlie Gilmore, we knew Andres already knew Charlie because he'd already coached him. So, like I say, it was quite an easy one um, with Charlie, which because it went so well on for both sides, opened up the pathway now for Sebastian and Dan. And like I say, as we speak, they're doing fantastically well. I think the team's joint third. They play tonight as we speak and they're both doing great. So that's how the relationships develop. But as you, as you said, you know, you, you, you need to leave no stone unturned really in your research and your diligence because these are our assets, you know, hopefully in, in time, these players be, become to, uh, you know, a Todd Campbell, a Ben Godfrey, a Madison, you know, worth multi-millions. And, you know, these these two players now potentially in in that, uh, they're on that right line now. So the, the more information, the more knowledge we get, the better. We don't just want to send players anywhere and almost cross our fingers. Mm. I, I know you've spoken about sort of the technical and, and tactical aspects. And I, I think we've spoken before about, about Todd's loan and perhaps the maturity it gave him from moving yeah. abroad. Is, is that an element to it as well? Why, why perhaps you would move a player from... Perhaps yeah. Norfolk, which is quite insulated to, to somewhere like like Holland, which is culturally completely different for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, there's no, I'm not I'm not giving any way, any secrets. Or you know, Todd would, would would back this up himself. He's happy for me to say it because I've spoken to him about it. But one of the reasons we did want to get Todd away from Norfolk was because he's always been in Norfolk all his life. Um, you can't blame him for that. But you know. He's again thinking of loans and what was right for him. If we'd have put him down the road for an hour away, then yeah, we might have been getting the right team for him, the right style if we were lucky in the lower leagues. But then again, are we are we developing his resilience, his mental strength, his toughness to grow up, if you like? Um, so obviously putting him out into in Fortuna over in Sittard, of course he's on his own then. He's got to sort of fend for himself, if you like, a little bit. And credit to him, you know, he went from a boy to a man. The, the three four months he was there, and I can remember watching one of his games live. And they all have to phone me after matches, and Todd phoned me after the game, and he sort of said, "How did you think I did?" And we were talking tactically and technically, and I said, "But the main thing I saw tonight was your maturity. You matured it in your performance." And he sort of said, "I don't really know what you mean. What do you mean by that?" And I said, "Well, I've seen how you've adapted now to senior football. Now you're not doing the things." that you were doing in the under-23s at the right, wrong time, in the wrong place, in the wrong areas. You're now thinking about the game. You're being more responsible. And 
he sort of said, yeah, I get that. And I said, I, I saw that in your game tonight from the game before when you were still a little bit under 23 mode to now you look like a first-team footballer that has a responsibility. And again, fantastic how he adapted and equipped himself over there and came back and went straight into our team, which was fantastic for us all. But, you know, had he not had he not gone there, had they not played in a team that plays the, the style of play that he likes, who knows? We'll never know, but we just feel we got it absolutely spot on. But ultimately, Todd had to do all the hard work on the pitch. Mm, absolutely. And, and just on the two that are out there, I mean, let, let's start with Dan Adshead because he's kind of um, maybe a bit different to someone like Todd, for example, because he, he did play a number of first-team games for, for Rochdale in League One. So I think there'd be... Perhaps a lot of people who say, well, he's, he's played in the EFL before, that's maybe the, the best destination for him. So what, what was your thinking behind, again, maybe not putting him back into the EFL and actually moving him abroad to, to Holland? Pure, purely because we, we saw Dan and we look at them and think, what levels did he need? And obviously Dan's played for Rochdale at 15, 16 years old. So he had that experience. And you're absolutely right. Dan is quite a tough cookie. You know, when he when he went over there, it was like water off a duck's back to him. Like it was no no issues, no problem at all. But again, it was like knowing when when we knew that we wanted to put Dan out on loan because we didn't want him playing 23s football anymore because he'd done so well. I recommended the under the the uh, division straight away. It's if you're comparing it with English football, I'd put it at, at League One, League One, League Two. So the top clubs, League Two, and maybe. You know, I look at Telstar, I look at Fortuna, they could hold their own in League One comfortably because I see a lot of their footballs around the stand. They're technically better, obviously not as direct and as physical sometimes, but we want technicality in a lot of our players. So I just thought it was a no-brainer to send him to, to that level. Dan agreed, his agent agreed. Obviously, Stuart and Daniel were, were fully behind it and, and Dan just said, fine, get me out there. And uh, took, like I say, took to it really well, straight away settled in and he started every game. And he's starting tonight uh, as well, which is fantastic. And you know, we just want from him what we got from Todd, ideally, so that you know, I can I can come back to uh, to Stuart and Dan and go, "There's another one. Have a look at this one now," sort of thing. And obviously, it's up to Dan. If he doesn't do well enough, that won't happen. But he's he's on the right path, and that's the reason we we, we put him out there because, as you said before, we know it, we trust it, and we know it works. Do you think because he has played those those games for Rochdale that he has sort of the physical side that that maybe Todd didn't necessarily have when he went on loan to Holland? Is that something that the ads head does have? But again, maybe it's the improvement of the technical stuff that you want to see. Yeah, it's, I mean every every player is different, but absolutely once you've played in league football, it does give you that sort of that sort of the mentality, the understanding of how strong you've got to be both physically and mentally. Um, and Dan, like you say, when he's, he's played at League One at such a young age, um, he might not under, have understood the complexities of the game, but he certainly knows what's going on at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. And he knows how tough it is and how ruthless it can be and how demanding the senior players will be. So that's that's gold dust almost at that sort of age because you learn so much so quickly. Um, and, and undoubtedly that's helped Dan, you know, come into Norwich settling in at Norwich, playing well in the 23s and now going out and playing at a very good level now uh, in, in uh, overseas football. So I, I just think it would be no end, no end of benefit for him. I, I spoke to him last year, I think before one of the um, before one of the uh, Youth Cup games, and I certainly got a sense maybe of a, a little bit of frustration that he'd maybe w- w- gone from a League One side to the under 23. So how important is it to 
perhaps explain to to a player like him who who like like we said ha- was playing regularly for Rochdale to then maybe understand like Akin for Mewu, I guess to an extent where they have to have a year of almost getting to grips with how the club play and their philosophy. How important yeah. is it to explain the journey to them really clearly? I guess. Yeah, it's di- it's difficult because players that have played in for league football before they come to the club and then maybe have to drop into the twenty threes. That's tough because once you've had a taste of first team football, then you don't want to ever go back you would you want more and more of it um so i would imagine and it never happened to myself but i would imagine when you've been playing every saturday and then you have to drop down a level even though you've moved to a much higher ranking club with the greatest respect you know i would imagine that's tough because the saturday afternoon is the adrenaline that's what you're working for um, and that's why we we thought it's important to get dan back out now he's got to be playing senior football again the same with akin you know, who'd had a taste with, with Luton, with Grimsby, and then found himself, you know, in the 23s at a better club, went to St Mirren, did fantastically well, and now hopefully we'll get the same at him down at Charlton. So I think it would be tough for the players to sort of, you know, be playing in front of 30, 40 people on a, on a Friday night at, in, uh, in an under-23s game when you've been used to the crowds when they used to be there. And I would imagine that you're, you know, you're ticking off the days almost in your head to when you're actually going to get back to that. So delighted that, that both of those are, are back out there now, even though the crowds are not there. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's talk about Sebastian Soto then, because he's a he's a striker, and they, as you full well know, they they draw a bit more attention to themselves, don't they, than, than any other position. He's obviously started with with two goals the other night, which was which was excellent. A lot of Norwich fans sort of took notice of that and, and obviously quite excited by his pedigree with the, the USA sort of youth sides, I guess. Um, what is it about him that, that you felt was, was suited to, to Dutch football and the same club as well, I guess? Again, Sebastian, um, we've, we've, of course, we've seen loads and loads of footage of him. Um, not seen him in a live game. I'm, personally, I hadn't seen him in a live game since he signed for the club. But again, the, the Dutch second division... As, as I've said numerous times, straight away is a, a big tick for us. Um, we had a little bit more of a problem with Sebastian, obviously with him being non-EU, um, didn't have the sort of EU passport work permit, if you like, and so that restricted him, couldn't play in England. So straight away now we're looking, OK, where do we go? And I think it was pretty universal that we go down this tried and tested route, and that's why we, we flagged him with, um, with Telstar. Um, and after what seemed like a, you know many many hours of frustration in the the legalities of it with the the, the various football leagues and the, the solicitors because there's different restrictions and conditions on non-EU players in in the, abroad. Finally, we got it over the line, and Sebastian was obviously kicking his heels a little bit because until he was cleared to play, he couldn't train or play uh, in the division, and that's why he, he's missed out on the, the first couple of games. Um, so we were delighted, obviously, when he when he was substitute the the previous week and got ten minutes. And now we're thinking, right now we need to start because we've seen how sharp he is. We've seen what a good goal scorer he is, and his record, obviously, with the the USA at the World Cup speaks for itself. And so obviously he got his start last week, and within twenty minutes he's banged two goals in, which is a dream start. Um, played the forty five minutes. He'll start again tonight. I think he's getting another forty five tonight. Um, so he's off and running now, Sebastian. So that is a case of right. Let's get him some games under his belt. See how well he does, hopefully, and then hopefully we have a, a problem to either bring him back to our team if we're able to, or to get him a, a move to a to a bigger a bigger level with a bigger club. With the greatest respect to Telstar. Yeah, this is, this is what I can come to because obviously last season he, he was at Hanover, wasn't he, and, and playing in, in sort of their youth side and. 
sort of had a, a fairly decent level or goal record with, with them as well. So that you've made the point there to an extent, but is it about if he does sort of score goals and this, this level does look a, a bit too easy for him, that he does move on maybe in January if, if, if you can sit down and review that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And the, and the good thing, going back to, to Todd Cantwell, we know now Daniel is... If, if we are recommending players that have done so well in, in the Dutch second division, you know, some head coaches might think, oh, yeah, but I'd want him to go and prove himself elsewhere before he comes in here. And what Daniel did, he just said, OK, great, take the recommendation. He'll go into my squad and we'll see. And, and Todd obviously flew. So these players now, Asoto knows, he doesn't necessarily have to go to a, a Dutch first division club or come back to England and play in the in League One or in the Championship, if he does well enough there, um, he knows that Daniel is quite happy to take players any age, size, or whatever. If they're good enough, he gives them a chance. So it's 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 up to him now. You know, he goes and bangs in goals galore there. Then, well, guess what? You know, he'll be knocking on the door to have a chance at you know cracking one of the positions in the first team squad. And that's again, if that is the case, then that's another success story for us. Mm, there's there's obviously a, a, as I mentioned a, a lot of sort of hype around strikers anyway it's, it's obviously incredibly it's an incredibly difficult position to, to buy for because so many players command sort of big transfer fees so if you can have success with this route Adam Eder has obviously taken a completely different one but in terms of Soto and, and maybe adding to the striking options that Norwich have is he someone that you, that you consider a bit of a different option to maybe what they've got at the moment? Yeah I mean obviously the, the, the Kieran and his scouts um, saw Soto and and as they always do, get in early, get in first and get these these players. And, you know, I'd, I'd never seen him play until obviously I knew that we were signing him. And then obviously you, you have a good look and you see what, what he's about. And we were lucky to get him, I think. You know, there was a number of clubs that were, were wanted to sign him. Um, the, the EU problem gave us a bit of a problem. But as you say, strikers now, you know, they, they're the ones that come out of the biggest fees, the ones that can score and win your games and, and score your goals. And, Sebastian has done that and, uh, you know, is highly regarded with the USA setup. You know, I'm sure he keeps scoring goals. He's going to be knocking on the, the senior door for there. So, but in terms of for us, yeah, we, we, we keep it quite simple for, for all the loan players. You know, just concentrate on you, yourself within your team and make sure you improve. And hopefully, you know, whether it's, whether it's this loan or it needs another loan, get you in our first team, get you playing for us or... As I said before, if not a career, and you know, they just their their sole focus is just on the game. You know, they both play tonight. He doesn't have to be worrying about anything for next year or, or whenever. It's just you just go and play, go and do your job, improve yourself, and the rest will take care of itself. And and just on the sort of work permit stuff, does is is that now um, because he's gone to Holland and, and played online? Does that make it slightly easier now for for you guys, or is there still sort of some issues there around sort of? Because I think this is an area of confusion around sort of getting an international cap and then it sort of clears things up. Well, yeah, you're asking the wrong person. You'd have to, <laughs> get, that might be the case. You'd have to, to get someone with a, with a doctorate in European <laughs> law, which of which I'm far from. But yeah, I, I was under the impression that full cap does change the the situation slightly, but the way rules change these days, mate, I mean, yeah. you know, it might change tomorrow night, that. So I'll worry about that if and when it happens. But uh, the main thing for us was getting him cleared, getting him permission to, to actually go and play. And, you know, from... Sometimes you're waiting on calls, you're waiting for the Dutch FA or, or whoever it is to, and you're, it's in their hands. And you're thinking, well, sometimes will this ever get done? 
So the main thing for us was let's get him playing. You know, he's, he'd missed the first couple of games of the season. We wanted him playing. And, you know, the best thing for us was now he was cleared. And now, as I say, no worries. He doesn't have to bother now. He's just going just go and play your football and show us how good you are. Mm, and, and just finally, for the future of, of the relationship between the two clubs, is this something that you can see certainly lasting whilst sort of Andres is there, but, but in, the, in the future as well? If not, I, I guess Telstar, then, then probably with other clubs in, in Holland, if you can get more success with these two currently. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I say, Dordrecht, we still have really good links with them. You know, they've, they've changed the some of the senior staff there, so it's changed a bit, but we have a really good relationship with them still. Um, so it's not it's not solely Telstar. There's nothing contractually between the clubs. Some people have asked me, you know, is is it a is it a condition, you know, a contractual obligation that we have to provide one player or two players per season? And that was something that we were absolutely adamant would never happen because if we tie ourselves to one club contractually, then we exclude all the other clubs that might be good options as well from ourselves. So we made it quite clear at the start that. This will be a link, absolutely a link, you know, as make it as strong a link as we can. But just bear in mind that if another club wants one of our players and that's right for us and them, then we can't be contractually, you know, excluded from doing that. So that the links are there, but that's that's what they are. They are good strong links. The the trust is there, um, which has been proven in multiple players going there. But uh, we do have other links with like say still Sittard, there's there's you know, staff there that we still know and, and Dordrecht, but the, the relationship with Telstar is fantastic at the moment. Mm. And, and and just, sorry, just the last one, in, in terms of the overall sort of network that you've built up now, you've, you've obviously got loan players in, in Iceland, haven't you, in, in Holland, as we've mentioned, is, is the plan to expand that even further and, and sort of expand those experiences and, and, and get the net yeah. even wider, I guess? Yeah, you can't, you can't have it, uh, any, you can't have it too small. I mean, we've put clubs in Holland, Germany, France, Belgium, Spain, Iceland, USA, and, and obviously Scotland and, and Ireland as well. And you know we've got we've got players at, at those in those countries now. And what it does, it certainly massively increases ours, my knowledge of those levels and, and the, the the qualities and how they work, which I don't think is you can't you can't have enough knowledge. And where we were certainly with the loan program five years ago to where we are now is incredible. You know we have a I have an in depth knowledge of. Dutch football, you know, of particularly the second division of the Spanish second and third division, the levels. We all know the Premier Leagues. We don't really know, need to have a look at that. But what do a lot of people know about those, the second tier, the third tiers? And, you know, these these loans, Iceland, you know, we've, we've had a couple of players gone out there. Isaac's out there now. Uh, Belgium, we've, we've had players there and have got three players out there now with with Melvin, Danel and, and, uh, and Rocky. So all this... It, considerably increases our knowledge, certainly my knowledge, um, which is only going to be more beneficial for future players, if you like, where, you know, you're not sure, is he League One England? Is he League Two England? Is he Dutch? Is he Belgium? You know, we now have the scope to absolutely tailor these these sort of future pathways for players to almost bespoke, if you like. This, this is your plan. This is what we see it. You know, maybe a year in the 23s and then you'll have a year in Belgium or you'll have a year in, in Holland or a year in Spain or Germany. Um, we just feel that that, that, will, that enhances not only our knowledge and expertise, but also the opportunity for the player. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time, Neil. No problem, mate. Any time. 
let's speak about the two you've got at the moment, Soto and, and Adshead. Um, just how pleased are you that, that they've come over from Norwich and, and how much have they helped your team? Uh, very pleased. Um, so last last year we had uh, Charlie Gilmore. Um, that was based on the initiative of Charlie and me because we knew each other from uh, Arsenal. But um, obviously we developed a good relationship with Norwich. And then they have proposed um, whether we would be interested, would I have asked, would we be interested in uh, Dan Edshead? And they consider him to be one of their biggest talents. So we were very pleased with the request on itself. Dan came over because it's important to us that he will, he knows where he goes, that he knows what he can expect, and he, that 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 he would have this conviction to be comfortable with us. So he came over and we were pleased with him. He was pleased with us. We think it's good for his development. So with Dan, yeah, happy. Happy to have one of the biggest talents on Norwich City with Telstar. Hmm. And then uh, on Soto, uh, his agent called me. He's, he had spoken with Norwich already. Mm-hmm. I don't know whose initiative it was, the agent or... Or Norwich is another uh, talent where Norwich has big expectations. Of course, it's difficult with English rules to have an American in England. I knew as well from Arsenal period. But it's the same story. He, uh, it's important he, for him to know what he will do. He came from Hanover. We are a much smaller club. I know Hanover very well as well because of my spell in uh, Germany. So we are a much smaller club, so it was important to us that Soto came over. He felt comfortable as well. We felt satisfied with him. So we decided to bring them both over with Norwich. Mm. Um, Financially interesting for us because of Norwich support. Um, Yeah, and then they they start to play. And I think uh, Dan participated in all league matches so far. Um, he's getting used to in Dutch second league football, which is completely different from, I think, English Norwich City under 23 football. Uh, and I, he's getting used to it. He's making steps. He's making progress. He's going forward. He's getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think on Soto, we, we needed time to get the paperwork done. And then he, uh, he came in, he needed some time to adapt to team training again. But uh, after a few weeks, I've told him, uh, listen, you have to start. And he agreed completely. So step by step, we are integrating him into the team. And in his first uh, match where he was allowed to start, he scored two goals in the first half. So we we're very pleased with him as well. Hmm. So that's where we are. Yeah, that's, 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 that's good. Uh, in terms of for you guys, I mean, you've you've referenced it there, but in terms, how how nice is it to have that trust with Norwich City that they can sort of send you players and believe that you're you're the perfect club to to develop them. That that must be a very nice feeling for you, especially as a coach. Yeah, I, I think I have uh, for the ones who know youth football. I have. I have a reputation in England because in my time at Arsenal, we developed. Many boys who have developed themselves now 
two well-known players, eh? the, 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 the ones like Ainsley Maitland-Niles, uh, Alex Awobi, Daniel Crowley, Reese Nelson, Joe Willett, Bakayo Saha. Um, they were all in the academy when 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 I when it, when I was there. There was another couple of Dutchmen, so they might know me. Um, but I think the 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 time with Charlie conf- has confirmed for them that Arsenal is a good address to bring their players, and of course. It makes us as a club feel happy and proud that a club like Norwich has this confidence on, it, on us because uh, Norwich is in Holland a well-known, very respected English club. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Are, are you aware of um, Josh Martin then, who's at Norwich at the moment? He was at Arsenal for a little while. Is, is he a player that you, you know? Yeah, of course. He was uh, in the academy ranks as well. Of course, I know Josh Martin. How's he doing? Is he okay? Yeah, he's good. Is he playing? He, he well, he's, he's kind of um, sort of on on the on the sort of cusp of the first team. He's sort of getting on the bench a few times, and he's um, he's played in the cup, so he's kind of between the twenty threes and the first team at the moment. But um, good. But good. yeah, he's he's doing okay. Um, in in terms of sort of you, I guess you, you mentioned there your, your time at Arsenal. What does it take to develop a player? Obviously, you're, you're getting sent these these talents from Norwich City. What what do you need to do then to to improve them and to take their game to the next level? First of all, every coach, including me, you need the ambition of the player. He has to do it. If I have to push him every day, in the end, it won't work. So it's his ambition. Then the boy is young. Dan is 19, Soto is 20. They, I know from my own experience, it's not easy to adapt yourself to another country. Especially the difference between England and the continent is much bigger than people who don't now think. It's a, it's, a, it's a huge difference. So those guys need ambition, need the ability to adapt themselves to another culture, to another country, to another language, to other habits. And then, then the football part starts, and where, where I uh, work is I analyze them, look at them, try to find out where they have to improve in order to become a top player, and that's where I help them. At the same time, they have to fit in my team. Hmm. So I try to work on both at the same time, fit in the team and develop themselves. Uh, that's, that's where I try to help them. I know what I have to do as a top player. I work for Arsenal, I work for Bayern Munich, I work for Barcelona, I work for Wolfsburg. So I know what the what you have to bring as a talent. So I know what I have to develop. But it's for every player different. This one needs those aspects to be developed and another one needs other aspects. Hmm. Well, you're, um, I was speaking to to Dan Adshead earlier today and he said that the football that, that you try and play at Telstar is, is very similar to what Daniel Farker tries to play at Norwich. Do you, do you feel like those similarities help the players that, that you do get on loan from Norwich adapt and, and also thrive? Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why uh, Norwich sends those players to us. Um, they, they like what we try to do. They like what we intend to do. So, of course, it helps the player because if he would have to play 
in a completely different way of playing, in a completely different approach of the game. Uh, why? I mean, the interest is on knowledge. They want to de- their players to be developed. So, of course, they look for a club who works and thinks in their line, a club who has the same intentions as they have. So, we really try to play football. Um, our colours are white, so we try to play, and that's the whole basic thought, from white to white in order to make goals and to win. That's the basic thought. It's quite simple, but it's no more complicated than that. Hmm. Uh, in terms of um, in, in terms of sort of youth development, and you said there the role you've had at Arsenal and other really big clubs, um, world class clubs, really. How important do you feel that the loan system is, especially when a club sort of sends out a player on loan with a plan, sort of a bigger plan to get them into the first team? Because we see lots of clubs, um, Chelsea are a good example, I guess, who maybe send players out on loan just for the sake of sending them out, you know. But Norwich seem to have a plan when they send players out on loan. How important is the loan system for a young player? I think especially in England it's quite important. I think there are uh, uh, clubs in England like Chelsea and Manchester City. They want to make money. So they buy many, many, many talented players. They try to develop them one way or another and they try to sell them in order to make money. Um, And that's not forbidden. I mean... You can do that. That's their philosophy. That philosophy. That's their opinion. That's what they want to do. Um, the other option is to develop players for yourself, as Norwich wants to do. And I think English football has a huge problem having 92 clubs, all having their own academy, all being uh, run by the Premier League, telling them what to do. So the English football makes a huge effort on academy football. And on the other hand, there's so much money involved that the coaches don't have the guts to put young players on the pitch. So where do all those young players have to go? Where can they play? Hmm. So it makes sense to go on loan. If you play for a really big club, then on a lower level in England, although that's difficult, or abroad. And I think this solution, Norwich has found with us, it's a smart solution. I did the same uh, when I worked for Arsenal. I sent a couple of players to Holland. Uh, Also, look carefully which club, what atmosphere, what coach, and what kind of player, what kind of human being is behind the player. So I think it makes a lot of sense to use this loan system. And I think uh, English football has to. Because the question is, where does this all this talent have to go to? Hmm. Based on what you said there, then is it is it nice to see a club like Norwich and a coach like Daniel Farker give so many opportunities to young players? I know that they sort of led the way last season in the Premier League with with the most minutes for players under twenty one. Does that is is that a a smart system then, particularly for a club the size of Norwich who perhaps can't recruit sort of the best talent around? They they have to buy them young and develop them. I think I think the English clubs would 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 should uh, would be smart to try to to create half a team based on homegrown players or at least players developed by themselves. So they 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 get back to an identity with the crowd, with the people filling the stadium normally without Corona, 
and the other half in modern times, yes, they have to look around in England and abroad to bring in the best players they can find. But I don't believe in just buying foreign players for the sake of winning games. Hmm. I think you build a stable club if the people can identify themselves with the players in the club. So at Arsenal, we try to say try to build half a team on the likes of Nelson, Saha, Maitland-Niles and buy the other half, making them better, um, creating a situation that they can develop themselves. And that way, also the English national team might have the benefit of really good English players making English football popular uh, in England uh, as it was. And then then you have a good future for English football. So I think it's it's some kind of an uh, example what Norwich is trying to do. And even although they went down to championship, I do hope they continue to work and to think in this way. Hmm. We saw um, Todd Cantwell, who's obviously burst onto the scene at Norwich. He, he had a spell in, in, the, in the Dutch second tier with uh, Fortuna Sittard a, a few years ago, and that, that helped him sort of get into Norwich's first team. Do you think that's that's encouraging for a player like Dan Adshead, like Sebastian Soto, to witness a, a successful example of someone who's played in the in in the Dutch second tier and then gone on to play for Norwich in the first team? Yeah, I think that's that's a close a close example. Eh? But of course, there are more English players who came to Holland or to Germany and then had a good a good. Uh, uh, made a good step, which was beneficial for their career. But of course, this example is close to them because this guy came from Norwich, mm. went to Holland. So, of course, this is a good example for them, how things can work. Yeah, mm, Absolutely. And and just in terms of sort of your communications with Norwich, do you, do you get to speak to Norwich regularly or, or are they mainly sort of communicating with the players? No, no, no. They... they uh, they they have um, uh, some kind of loan department. Oh yeah, Neil Adams. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, many people involved. They know exactly what their guys are doing with us. And uh, Neil is the contact person for me, Neil Adams, <laughs> and we are regularly in touch about what's going on. Uh, if there's any problem, he calls me straight away. And regularly, we are in touch about uh, how the boys are doing. And if possible, Norwich comes over regularly to speak with the boys, to watch them, to be in touch, to see where they are, how they're doing, and to speak with me. So we really have a fine communication and a good relationship. Mm. And and in terms of for the future, is is this a relationship that you'd like to see, obviously to benefit your team and to get some some really good young players, but just just generally, is, is it something that you're keen to continue beyond this season? Uh, Telstar is financially the smallest club in Holland so the position on the ranking on the on, on, on the table um, is not what it looks like financially financially we should be number 20 but we aren't um, so and and that's being helped by by taking the smartest decisions we can take and this is beneficial for us uh, football-wise, but also finance financially, and Norwich uh, is being helped as well. The boys are being helped, and that's most important. So I think we should try to continue this. And I was very pleased with the two coming over, 
uh, knowledge, showing their confidence in, in what we are doing and what we have done. Lovely stuff. That's perfect. Thank you very much, Andres. All right. Good luck. <laughs>